0: Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again for Keto for Women. This episode is going to be totally different than anything we've done in the past 35 episodes. I'm actually really excited about it. And I think we'll probably end up doing this quite a bit more if all goes as planned today. So I'll let you in on what we're doing in just a moment as we get started with the episode. First, let's go through some updates. Really not a whole lot to mention here today, right now, really just reminding you if you do want to be part of the March Fat-Burning Female Project, get ready for that enrollment, which is coming up really soon. I don't know how these things just all of a sudden pop up. Seems like it's so far away and then all of a sudden we're here. So February 28th, please put that on your calendar for your morning time on that day, February 28th, to enroll for the class because it will sell out. It's a one-day enrollment period and does sell out. So we want to make sure if you want to be in that class that you get your spot. So that's a Wednesday. And then the Friday following, so March 2nd, is when you will be delivered your course materials and we will begin the actual six-week process on Monday, March 5th. So coming up real quick and want to make sure that you guys all know that that's happening. If you want more information on what the Fat-Burning Female Project is, I'll be talking about it next week, but in next week's episode, a little bit more detailed, not a ton, but a little bit more. But I did talk about it quite a bit in episode 16. So you can go back and listen to that at the beginning. It's like the first 25, 30 minutes where I explain that. And then also you can get of course, all of the information over on my website at seanminor.com. Just click on the link where it says Fat-Burning Female Project and you can get that information. And then last week we did talk a lot about your poop and your digestive system and your digestive health and how it may not be all rosy down there. And if that's the case for you and you do want to be part of the Good Gut Project, a new class for that is coming up very soon in March. So be on the lookout for that. That's when enrollment starts. And then we get all the test kits ordered and sent out. And then you have some time to collect, send them into the lab. The lab sends us results. And then we get started on the class with your very own protocol and really going through everything that you need as a group and as an individual to get fully healthy in that gut of yours. So that's coming up too. Be on the lookout for that. I think that's about it as far as announcements go. I don't want to take up too much time because we've got a gigantic show here for you. So let me explain what's going to happen. If you follow me on social media, then you saw, maybe, maybe you didn't. Most of you probably saw, I posted a picture of myself asking for questions for a keto hot seat episode, which is this episode. And basically, I just asked for all questions, you know, pretty general, pretty quick questions that I could answer and kind of be on the hot seat for an episode. I got a great response, much more than I was expecting. I was actually kind of thinking in the back of my head, okay, if this doesn't work, what else could I talk about on this episode? So I was already had this backup plan in my head when I posted that. And then within minutes realized I was not going to need that because between Instagram and Facebook on that one post, I got... I think, around 70 questions. So clearly, I'm not going to be able to get through all 70 in one episode today. However, depending on how things go, depending on the response, I will hopefully be able to get to those 70 in maybe the next 10-ish episodes, kind of sprinkling them in. And then once those are done, I'll ask for another round of questions. So I'll make that announcement on Instagram and Facebook. And I really want to do this. I mean, I have to be perfectly honest. I love getting your questions to info at KetoForWomenShow.com, which is kind of the hub for all questions related to the Keto for Women show, this podcast. However, I have to be totally honest and tell you that it's really overwhelming they're great questions. A lot of them are very specific to one person, which is just not something that I can do on a podcast where thousands of people are listening and hoping for help with their situation too. It would just be a little too specific. And there's a lot of different scenarios going on and we try our best. My assistant, Jenny, and I try our best to manage them and organize them and keep track of all of them. But really... Doing it this way for me is probably going to be the best way to get as many questions on as much variety of keto topics as I can and really make it work. So I'm thinking this may be the route that we take in order to get your questions answered. Of course, we will still take questions to info at show.com. So you can email your questions there if it's something where you don't have Instagram or Facebook, or it may seem like something where email is more appropriate. We will definitely still be taking your questions. It's just a little easier to go this route. So I'll let you know those changes as they come up once I get through this episode. We don't even know if I'm going to make it through this episode. I might not. Here is the biggest reason why this is going to be a little bit different a little bit more off the cuff than you're used to, because I haven't read these questions. I have no idea what these 70s questions say. I did not want to take the time to prepare or plan or get my answers all organized, not because I didn't want to take the time, but because I really love, like I personally love listening to podcasts where they're just completely off the cuff, completely themselves, answering just the first thing that comes to mind and really giving just kind of that real raw info as opposed to being planned out, having notes in front which I do. I definitely do that. For me, it's more so to keep myself on track because we all know I can get way off subject and talk about something completely different. So I do have notes, but not today, not doing it today. I have no idea what these questions say which comes with the caveat that I am very ready and willing and able to simply say I don't know the answer. And perhaps I can give you some other tips of places to go look, or maybe I don't even have that. But... I'm going to say it. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you. And I think that that honestly, for me, really shows a genuine, true practitioner. I'm not going to give you false information. So I'm just not going to give you the information at all if I don't know, which I think is important. I also might skip over questions or you know, just kind of say it's more of a one-off situation or something if I can't, or I don't think that that is a good flowing question for what we have going on here today. I did say that it doesn't have to be about keto, so there may be some questions mixed in that aren't specifically keto-related, but more so maybe to women's health, or to lifestyle changes, other kind of healthy habits we can make, anything, really, could be anything. So keep that in mind. It's still gonna get tons of good information. Before we get going with the show, let's chat about the sponsor of this episode of the Keto for Women show, Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and healthy eaters get lower rates on their life insurance. Health IQ can save their customers up to 33% because they have found scientific proof showing physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. I've partnered with Health IQ because I'm a huge fan of their philosophy on recognizing those that take their health seriously, like us Keto for Womeners, and rewarding us for doing so by saving us money on our life insurance rates. Head to healthiq.com slash keto to see if you qualify and to support the show. There, you will take a quick lifestyle quiz, which will determine your potential savings. That's health. IQ.com slash keto to learn more. Okay. Should we do this? Eek. I'm a little nervous. Just kidding. I'm not nervous. Okay. I'm going to open my Instagram. We're going to start with Instagram. I promise you, Facebookers, I will get to your questions in probably not this episode. I'm not going to lie because there's 50 here that I have to get through, but I will get to those as well. Don't you worry. I'm also going to skip saying the handle name because some of them are kind of weird or don't know how to pronounce or whatever. And just to help with the flow, we'll go straight into questions. Okay, first one. Why do some people still claim keto is detrimental to women's hormone health despite all the research proving otherwise? Oh, what a great question, Hannah, that we will never fully understand. No, I mean, really, I think the biggest thing, again, like I've mentioned in past, Episodes, the difference is looking at women doing keto incorrectly, which I clearly, obviously promote the opposite, which is why I have a whole podcast and a whole class dedicated to that. It's basically my career intent at this point to dispel those myths, but it's doing keto incorrectly, reducing your calories way too far, not truly being in ketosis, not taking the time to adapt slowly and slowly alter those macronutrients, being in the dieting mentality, wanting the quick fix. So, you know, making these kind of extreme changes and applying all these rules to yourself that don't really need to be there all that stuff that we as women have a tendency to do that Is really the baseline for when people say that keto doesn't work for women because you're looking at those situations where those women may have had disruption in their hormone cycles, may have had issues with their thyroid, may have had adrenal stuff going on because of that, or that made it worse, right? Because we're all all already kind of dealing with some not so great adrenal health for the most part, most of us. And so putting that on top of it to be in this calories, calorie-restricted thing, to go into this big change in your diet too quickly, all of these things that I talk about and I promote here on Keto for Women, doing keto in a way that is very healthy and responsive to the female body really makes all the difference in the world. And that's really... And I know Hannah is a fat-burning female, so she understands what I'm talking about when you make that transition differently. And I know she's having success, but yes, it definitely is and i just got a phone call. This is why it's hard to do this as i'm looking at my phone and getting other things coming in. Don't worry, i ignored it. I'm not going to answer it here on keto for women. But yes, just keep that in mind that there is in my opinion a not safe way and a safe way to do keto and there are many, many, many more women doing keto the unsafe way, which yes, then will cause hormonal stuff. It just will happen. That's why I've created the opposite way. So that's why. It's because there's still a lot of misconception out there in the keto world, which we know. And honestly, that's probably going to be the answer to a lot of these questions is because there's still a lot of naysayers, misconception, just too much negativity in the keto space, mainly because it's just new. And there's a lot of information that We don't quite know yet, but we're getting so much more so quickly with all of these. Like Hannah mentioned, the research that is coming out, we're getting all that stuff. So hopefully it won't last too much longer. Next question I've been hearing and reading a lot about the zero carb carnivore diet lately. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on it? Ooh, I love this question. Oh man, how do I not go off? Okay, I promise I won't. I personally do not think that is something that we as healthy keto for womeners should practice because you are missing out on vegetables. I mean, not to mention, you know, some other great, amazing things, but there are clearly quite obviously nutrients in vegetables that you cannot get from any other source in that way. That is the perfection that nature intended it to be without eating the actual vegetable, like no supplement, no shake, no smoothie, no juice, just no. So get your veggies in. I think that is really, truly important. I think that the zero carb thing is again, one of those kind of quick fix type flashy type. Ooh, let's try this thing. Out there, but it's not sustainable, in my opinion. It shouldn't be, I guess, sustainable. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are doing it and healthy and happy and great, but for the most part, I think people need to eat their vegetables and get those colors in with their day. And not to mention the fibers, the prebiotics that we need that come from those veggies in order to feed our gut bacteria there's a lot that goes into those veggies besides just them being colorful and nutrient dense. So keep that in mind. I definitely think if you're going to do it, I would not do it for more than like a week. You might be able to get away with it and still feel really good there, but you're not doing any harm by getting in some veggie carbohydrates to your diet. You're not doing anything but good. So don't worry about that and no need to go and get rid of them completely. Exogenous ketones, yes, no, why? Is there a benefit using them for fat loss? I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, but always good to come back to this subject because it's one of the questions I get asked the most. And I think, again, it's we're in this space where these kinds of products come out and they promote fat loss. They promote easier state of ketosis. They promote mental clarity. There's just so much. I mean, it's a, it's a product that's being advertised very, very well. And we, as the consumers that we are, still want that quick fix. We cannot get past the thought that there still could be something out there that we haven't tried yet that's going to be the kicker. It's going to be the thing that just gets us our perfect body and this amazing health. And we feel like superwoman. It doesn't happen. That doesn't exist. It's not out there. And it's definitely not in the form of of exogenous ketones. If you want my honest opinion, this is, again, just an opinion. I'm sure the people behind this supplements are great. They're doing great things. It's just my thought. I really think it's kind of a waste of money and not kind of like really a waste of money. Because they're expensive, as you all know, if you've looked into them, and it's still bypassing. It's basically kind of taking out any sort of work that your body has to do to make this metabolic change, and you're just providing that beta-hydroxybutyrate to it without making any of these changes, without working on creating a high-fat, low-carb diet that's a really healthy, blood-sugar-balancing, important part of... The ketogenic lifestyle is creating that diet. And yes, I'm sure now there's people that are saying, well, I eat keto, but then I also take ketones. I mean, really, again, what's the point then? If you already have changed your diet, what is the point? I know some people want to take them to get over the keto flu hump. I think you could possibly do that, yeah, for like a week, but do you really want to? buy that whole big tub or however they come, I'm not familiar with them, but however they come for one week just so that you don't feel as tired. Maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I guess that's up to you. But then beyond that, no, they're not doing anything to promote keto more than just doing keto. Does that make sense? It's really the best way that I can explain it. Just do keto. Now, caveat, again, if you are someone that is, in a situation where you have a disease that would benefit from high production of ketones, that really can't happen unless you are in this really deep state of fasting or taking exogenous ketones, then I think that would be great. I think a good example would be someone maybe that is, has Alzheimer's, maybe it's like a parent of yours, and really changing their diet is going to be hard to do, but you can also provide them exogenous ketones while maybe taking out some of the carbs or whatever they're willing to do. And there could be tremendous benefit there. So keep that in mind. There is a reason and a time and a place where exogenous ketones would come in very handy and be very therapeutic. But for the average one of us keto for womeners just looking to boost up their ketones so they get a higher number on the ketone meter just go back and listen to my episode about that because it really doesn't matter. It's just what your body's not using and it's just because you literally just ate them. So it's like, what is the point? Okay, enough of a rant there. Protein intake for women who want to lose fat but increase muscle. Good question. Not something I can answer for you. That's something that you can answer for you, which is so fun. And this is really where I love getting these questions actually, because then I can remind you that you know that answer, not someone else. I don't know what your body does with the protein that you intake. For some people, it raises their blood sugar to the point where they get kicked out of ketosis. For others, it doesn't. And of course, it depends on your current state of blood sugar, what your sources of protein are, what workouts you're doing. I mean, a lot goes into it. So of course, I don't know that about every single individual person who is listening. I only know that about myself and you only know that about yourself. So here's where you get empowered to find that out. Now, you can, of course, just trial and error it. That's what I do. And that's what I recommend people do. If you are in a spot where maybe more protein kind of sounds appealing, like you have your normal size burger or whatever it is, and you still kind of want more protein, then that could be a sign where more protein would be good for you and it would work well in your ketogenic diet. There are others who put that burger on their plate and halfway through, they don't want it anymore. They're just done with the protein. There you go. There's our body telling us exactly what works for us. Again, it's that intuitive eating piece, which I'm going to have a whole episode about soon. So be on the lookout. But it really is tapping into what your body is telling you when looking or eating food. What does it want? What does it crave? What sounds good? What doesn't? So that's the first piece. And then the second piece is looking at what eating more or less protein does to you, does it make you more or less tired more or less able to have a good workout to build muscle like that would be something that could be used as a factor in determining kind of what is best for you based on how much muscle you gain especially for the workouts you're doing if you're doing strength training workouts regularly and you're not seeing muscle growth then perhaps you a just need to eat more food overall which i see all the time with women, just eat more food, you'll gain muscle, I guarantee it. And two, eat more protein if you're not seeing that result that you're looking for. Now, if eating that level of protein, if you do bump it up, but you start feeling more fatigued, you don't have the mental clarity you're used to when being keto, your ketones drop, obviously. There you go. That's a big signal. If any of that stuff happens, then you know it's too much. And I think the biggest thing, and this is what I really teach women in fat-burning female, especially now where the current group is in week five, week six, they're learning how to do this on their own. And the biggest thing is like, not every day has to be exactly the same. We're very much in this mentality, especially if you're someone that has come from tracking macros, using MyFitnessPal to think that we have to hit a certain gram or a certain percentage every single day, day in, day out, in order to be doing this thing right. And I can tell you, no, don't do that. Eat what you want. If more protein on one day sounds good, and then the next day you're not really feeling it, cool, Vary it up. Don't be stuck on these specific numbers that don't really matter. Listen to your body, get rid of that. It will tell you, I promise. Ooh, I love that spiel. I could just talk about that all day, but I'm not going to, I'm going to move on. Oh, same person, but then different question asked fat intake for those who want to lose fat, a minimum or maximum. Again, take what I just said. And every time I said protein, put in fat. There you go. Done deal. Easy peasy. But yes, I will talk about all of this more when I do talk about intuitive eating specifically. Hair loss on keto, what to do about it? Yeah. Oh, this one got a lot of likes. Okay. So there's a lot of people that want to talk about hair loss and I do totally get it and understand it is a big concern. There are a few things that I can recommend without knowing more about your information specifically. So quite a lot of times hair loss is more so a reaction to a Hormonal imbalance. So, you having estrogen dominance can do it. Having just super low progesterone can do it. Being in any sort of cortisol mix match, which could be high or low or both, whatever, can do it. Having high testosterone definitely going to happen. High DHEA, definitely going to happen. So it very much is a symptom of hormonal imbalance quite often. And that's something that I can't really guide you towards until I were to see that specifically, which is something that I would do for you in the Happy Hormones Project as an offshoot to fat-burning female. So that's where we can really look and see if that's something that's going on. But there are a few reasons that do happen where I can guide you without knowing that information. The first one is a stressful environment. And usually when you have hair loss, it is actually from a stressful environment that happened two to three months prior. So go back to when you started noticing your hair loss and see maybe, and it could honestly have been that you started keto, you know, two to three months before this hair loss started, which is quite common in keto. Now going back to the healthy versus non-healthy way to make that transition into a ketogenic diet and to do the right things as a keto for women are, you have that kind of variance that can happen to where it can be really stressful on your body. If one day you just made the switch, if you didn't get enough fat and you didn't get into ketosis quickly, if you were just in low-carb purgatory, if you also dropped your calories at the same time as you started trying to go keto, if you started fasting too soon. Geez, I mean, gosh, right? Endless topics, endless reasons why keto could be a stressor on your body which is again, why I'm here and why my whole business is dedicated to this topic. But if that's the case, then you can back out of that, right? You can try to determine what could be causing this stressor on your body, especially if it's keto focused and back out of it, start eating more, start eating more fat, start eating more protein, perhaps maybe it's more carbs. You know, you're going to have to determine that for yourself, but get into ketosis, make sure you are in ketosis. If you're telling me I'm losing hair, but you aren't testing ketones and or aren't in ketosis, then boom, do that first. And then we'll talk. If you're in ketosis and you have been, you know, straight solidly four months and still having that hair loss, then I'm going to look a little further. I'm going to look a little differently. Again, it would next probably be the hormones, but then also it could be a zinc deficiency quite often. If you need some zinc, it's going to show up in the form of hair loss. Same thing could go for iron. If you are anemic or low iron, then that could be a situation too where supplementing with that would work now In either case, you don't want to just go start throwing all these supplements at it. Zinc, most likely you're going to be fine just starting to take and seeing if it helps. Iron, not so much. You're going to want to go to your doctor and get your levels tested to know that for sure before you start supplementing with iron because it can be equally as damaging if you go too high in iron. So you don't want to do that either. Other reasons for hair loss. I would start really the biggest and best thing you can do right now besides those those two supplements would be just really take a hard look at your stress level. Start implementing as many stress-relieving techniques as you possibly can. Maybe seek out an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a general therapist if it, there's something on your mind you need to talk about seek out alternative healthcare options to really work on your stress. If you think that that might be it. And a lot of people will not think that that's it, but you don't realize how stressed you are. So keep that in mind and then make sure you're eating a really nutrient dense diet. So even though you're keto, don't forget all those veggies. Don't forget the high quality of veggies and meats and fats that you are eating. So even honestly, just a toxic burden can cause hair loss. So if you're having conventionally raised meat, if you're not getting organic vegetables and fruits and nuts and things like that, if your oils aren't coming from properly prepared oils and you're using some of the vegetable oils or anything like that, those would all be things to look at. High inflammation levels can also cause hair loss, which again, would be something that you'd probably need to dive deeper into seeing if that's what you think it could be. But you can, if you're someone that does dairy and caffeine and coffee and even some of the sugar-free sweeteners, take all that stuff out. Anything that could possibly be inflammatory, give yourself kind of a reset there with maybe four to six weeks without those things and see if that helps at all. And then from there, just keep digging because I think the biggest thing to note is that sometimes keto, while it's great and super healing, it will bring to light some other things going on in your body, especially if there is a hormonal balance. I see this all the time in my practice. It really can start showing up after you know a month or two of keto, these imbalances that you've had because really they're healing. But when they do so, it just kind of brings them to the surface. And this could also be the case where keto kind of started the hair loss, even though you're fully keto adapted, you're doing everything right, you took the slow approach, you're eating enough fat, all that stuff that we just talked about. If it's still happening within that great keto state, then it's just bringing you more information that you've got to keep digging and continue to find out what's going on with your body, which I'd be happy to help you with. Okay. Quick trick to help reduce bloating. Okay. So this depends on, bloating is a very general term. Bloating obviously just means that you feel puffier or water retained, but sometimes it can be very localized to the digestive system where you feel bloated after meals, like you're six months pregnant. I've totally been there. I know what you mean, but it can also feel like puffy like i just mentioned you're retaining water your hands feel a little stiff your joints feel a little stiff you just feel like kind of overall a little extra water so let's go over both of those cuz i don't know which one she's talking about the first one the digestive specific one my tip to get rid of that quickly would be to slow your roll <laughs> when you are eating like we talked about last week take the time to chew your food Get into rest and digest mode, take a few deep breaths, smell your food, and just enjoy it and make sure you're really chewing. That would be my biggest, best, easiest tip. That will take care of a lot of situations. Now, of course, like I mentioned last week too, there's a lot of other reasons why you could be bloated that nothing is going to fix until you find out that problem and fix the actual problem. So you are still going to have to do some testing eventually if that seems like something that's going on in your digestive system. Now, if you feel overall water retained, there are lots of reasons for this, but we'll go over some of the biggest ones. The first one would be that your electrolytes are out of balance. And the quickest way to get those back into balance is to supplement with some electrolytes. Specifically, the ones that I recommend in episode 16, 18, I don't know. In the supplement episode, you can go find that. Those, I have women all the time that tell me, oh, I was so water retained. And then I started taking those and it made it all better very quickly. So I highly recommend those. They do really work. But then also, of course, that salty water or putting salt under your tongue. So getting the pink Himalayan or Celtic gray sea salt and putting it under your tongue or putting it in your water several times a day will help a lot in balancing out your electrolytes, which I talk about all the time. Something that is super, super common in, I guess, all people that go keto in that transition. And then even beyond the transition, you're always going to need to support yourself there. Other reasons why you could be bloated by way of water retention would be lack of sleep, stress, and cortisol response, working out too much or not enough. Both can cause inflammation and just overall water retention. If you have a food sensitivity that you don't know about and you're still consuming regularly, that can cause water retention even like weather. you know. I think we all have been in a situation where it's humid. Like If you go on vacation and it's more humid than you're used to, and all of a sudden you just swell, it could be something as simple as that. But I'm assuming it's probably not since it doesn't sound like she's on vacation right now. There's a lot of reasons, but really the end result is always going to be the same. You've got to sleep. You've got to take care of your stress levels. You've got to get rid of the toxins that don't need to be in your life, even if that's a person. Got to do it. Got to get rid of them or just, you know, change the relationship. And yeah, balance those electrolytes, stay keto, make sure you're in ketosis as much of the time as possible. Find out what works for you, what balance of macronutrients is the best for you. Should be good to go. Before we get any further with this episode, let me take just a second to tell you all about the Ample Ketogenic Meal Replacement Shakes. I'm so excited that this product is now out there. I can't wait for you all to try it. It is the first all-in-one keto meal replacement shake that gets the nutrition from quality real ingredients, which is so, so, so hard to find in the ketogenic space. You all know how important real food ingredients are for me, and I wanna pass that information on to you. And here we now have a really great opportunity to have a meal replacement shake, something that's super easy for us to grab when we're on the go, running errands, don't have time for breakfast, don't feel like cooking, whatever it may be, we now have a place to turn, and that is the Ample Ketogenic Meal Replacement Shakes. 70% of the calories in this shake come from premium healthy fats such as MCT oil powder, coconut oil powder, things we're already eating on a daily basis anyway. There are only 6 grams of net carbs in each meal and it comes along with 40 billion CFUs of probiotics, which is like 10 times what you would get by drinking a kombucha. So they're really taking care of our gut health. They're keeping that in check while we're on a ketogenic diet. They have the prebiotic fibers necessary too within this shake to feed the good bacteria in your gut. They've thought of so much. It has potassium and magnesium so that if you're going through the keto flu or you just want to work on your electrolyte balance, which is something we talk about a lot on keto for women, that's taken care of too. And the best part is it actually tastes amazing. I taste so many ketogenic products. Most of them I don't like, so I don't even tell you about them. But I love the flavor of these ample shakes. You're going to love it. I can't wait for you all to try it. In order to do so, because they are a sponsor of the Keto for Women show, you lucky listeners get 15% off your order when you go to amplemeal.com and use the coupon code Keto the number four women 15 at checkout. That's amplemeal.com and use the coupon code keto the number four women 15 to get your 15% off your first order. I will make sure to have this information linked in the show notes so you can get easy access to your 15% off. Next up reason for magnesium supplementation causing extreme hunger. I tried a few different types. I've been eating keto since summer of 17, blood testing to confirm ketosis. I've Googled and apparently others experienced this as well. Also, my gut is a mess if that might play a role. So I'm super excited for the good gut course starting soon. Yay, Julie. Huh? Reasons for magnesium supplementation causing extreme hunger. I've actually never heard this ever. That's really odd. I can't really think offhand of why that would be causing hunger unless you are either taking one that maybe has I know some of the natural calm has stevia in it and I could see how obviously drinking that would then kind of promote that blood sugar response to be hungry and want food after that, which it doesn't, it seems like you've tried a bunch of different ones. So it doesn't seem like that, but I could also see how Perhaps magnesium is causing a blood sugar response overall in general. So that could be something to look into as well and maybe you could do a little experiment on yourself and take some magnesium and then maybe like 30 minutes later test your blood sugar and see if it has spiked it. That could be I mean I don't I don't know the science behind that or why that would be the case, but it'd be interesting to see because you know when I hear hunger, I think okay, so there's a blood sugar something happening at that point. So why is it? Or it could just be coincidence. Maybe you're taking them at the same time of the day where you're just naturally more hungry. If it's at night, maybe you just need to eat more. I don't know. I know these are not actually really what you're looking for, Julie. But yes, perhaps the gut project will shine light for us as to why this is happening to you. Very interesting. And as you can see, I don't really know the answer. So I'm just giving you some general tips to try, but could be a good experiment for you. Okay. Another exogenous ketones, which I talked about next. I hear a lot of conflicting info about keto and women's hormones. Some say carb ups help while others say the power is in the ketones. I know you tend to be on the ketone side, but would love your opinion on the carb cycling as it relates to women's health. Again, I would love to tell you exactly what you should do, but the power is within you. So honestly, totally depends. And that's my opinion and intake for you on that subject. Of course, there's people that say, yes, do it. Don't do it. Have it every day. Have it every week. Have it every month. I mean, there's so many. And the only thing about carb ups that I don't love is I don't love it being on a specific timing regimen. I really think it should be what I do for my carb ups is I just eat carbs when I feel like eating carbs. And I let my body tell me when it's time for carbs, whether it be because I worked out really hard or maybe I just want them. (laughs) Maybe I'm just kind of craving some plantain chips, which was the case this week. And I went and got some and it was totally fine. So that's the only thing is I don't think that it does need to be as regimented as the community makes it out to be. Now, I have not really seen in working with now over 500 women to get them into ketosis, I haven't seen a case where someone's hormones are totally a wreck unless they have carb ups. A lot of times, especially when transitioning to keto, that first month or two, your cycle could be slightly wonky. Not terrible, but you might notice it comes a little early or it comes a little late or it's not as heavy or it's heavier. There's more cramping, there's less cramping. There could be some changes. Once you get it and stay in ketosis regularly, though, that will regulate. And it is because of the power of ketones. It's because of that homeostasis that we are providing in the body with producing ketones, but also eating enough food while producing ketones. Big, big point there. If you're going to go keto and reduce your calorie intake, not going to happen. You're going to see some big problems happen with your cycle and it's not ketosis's fault and it's not the fact that you need carbs. It's because you need food. So keep that in mind. That being said, there is, I think, a lot of room in keto to have carb ups when they feel right. Or if you notice that you sleep better when you have carbs or your workouts are better when you have carbs or your clarity and energy is better when you have carbs, then there you go. That's your answer. Again, we can be intuitive with this piece as well. Same as the, what I said with the fat and the protein. So it seems like this is kind of a theme where we're not quite understanding that we, you all, every single one of you get to determine what works for you. I don't get to tell you that. The other people in the keto community don't get to tell you that. You get to tell yourself that. You get to determine it. If carb ups work for you and you want them once a day, great. If you want them once a week, great. If you want them when they feel right, great. If you don't want them at all, cool. I support you in every decision. The only thing I will say, of course, is that if you have blood sugar issues, then you're going to want to keep that in mind and keep that information handy as you decide whether carbs work for you or not. Because most likely those carbs are going to take you out of ketosis. And for most of you, that's probably not going to be worth it and will probably only hinder your hormonal balancing hopes and dreams. So keep that in mind too. I mean, I personally am someone that doesn't have blood sugar issues. So me having some plantain chips with lunch this week didn't matter. It didn't do anything. It didn't kick me out of ketosis. I still felt the same. It was fine. But that may not be the case for you. So again, something where you have to determine that for you, no one's right or wrong having any more or less carbs or protein or fats or anything. Just find that out for yourself. I hear tons of conflicting info on keto and pregnancy, but I've had the best pregnancy ever on keto. Most doctors incorrectly link or confuse it with ketoacidosis or being dangerous and recommend carbs. I would love your thoughts on this. And there were some likes on this one too. I get a lot of questions about keto and pregnancy and almost makes me wish, almost, not totally, that I could go through pregnancy being keto so I could give you all my tips and tricks. But there is no chance of that happening. So don't even think it. But my friend Tara, who I know is pregnant and keto, she actually was keto prior to pregnancy and this helped her with her fertility so she could get pregnant. And I do plan on having Tara on the podcast, hopefully when she gets a little closer to the end of her pregnancy, so she can tell us how it all went. But I know as of right now, she is really having a great pregnancy and is keto. And I fully fully support that. And it's almost like the more and more I hear about keto and learn everything I can about ketone production and what it's actually doing in our body. And you can go back and listen to that episode about keto 101 a few episodes back to learn what it does in your body. If you listen to that episode, it just does not make sense how anyone would call it dangerous for a pregnant woman to do for someone who is building another life. Don't we want the most clean, most available source of energy for our body to do that? It seems pretty obvious to me. And carbohydrates, we all know, listening here on Keto for Women, are not an essential nutrient. So it's not like we need carbohydrates to build a fetus. It's not like going into that process. I do think that there probably is a case where you as a pregnant woman would really want to moderate your protein intake to be a little higher. And I have a feeling you'd be able to do so quite easily. And still stay in ketosis because it is actually a known thing that pregnant women get into and stay in ketosis easier than when non-pregnant. I mean, just think of that. Why would our bodies do that for us if it wasn't a safe place to be while pregnant? And babies are born in ketosis. So again, doesn't that make sense that it it is a process that is known and preferred in our bodies so much so that we're born in that way? So, how could that be harmful during the process of developing that child? Just think about that kind of stuff. I mean, of course, I'm no scientist. I haven't done any sort of research or study on this, but in my opinion, I think when doctors are saying that, I totally agree with Tara and her saying that doctors in general, whether you're pregnant or not, most of them, if you go and say you're in ketosis, they will tell you to get out of ketosis as soon as possible because in medical school, When you learn about ketosis, you learn about ketoacidosis and these super high levels of ketones that can be produced in diabetics when in an uncontrolled environment. And that is a harmful situation on your body, but that would be like... 20 times what we produce as just being in nutritional ketosis. So nutritional ketosis and ketoacidosis are very, very different. And that's just not taught in medical school. So when they hear that name, they automatically think of the dangerous one, which is very, very different. Hope that helps. Okay. What are your thoughts on CLAA supplements on keto? So CLAA are amino acids essentially, which are basically what we break protein down into in our digestive system. So protein gets broken down into amino acids and then amino acids are what we use as our building blocks for our muscles and cells and all that good stuff. Supplementing with amino acids, I think, are fine. I think it's fine on keto. I would more so honestly be concerned with where you're getting those sources because a lot of the supplemental forms of amino acids have other stuff in them, specifically sweeteners. And even if it is stevia or something like that, I think it's kind of a waste of a possible blood sugar response to supplement with that while trying to be in ketosis. I also think that it's probably not really necessary if you are someone who is eating the right amount of meat or protein for your particular ketogenic diet that you have found works for you, then most likely it's just not necessary. So again, it might be a situation where your money would be better spent elsewhere on other supplements besides the amino acids. I do, however, recommend the collagen peptides. Of course, it's protein, it has amino acids, but it's totally clean. has a very little impact, if any, on blood sugar response. So I do really like those. I do include those in my morning coffee or hot tea situation, and you can't taste them. And I like their healing properties that happen specifically with your hair, skin, and nails. And it's also just good for building up the gut lining and other muscular systems. So I do like those. And I would actually recommend if someone does want to do that kind of thing, Try the collagen peptides over the amino acids. I think you're going to get more of a benefit from that and take out that possibility of having some other weird additives in that supplement. How do you like to use yacon syrup? Oh, I love yacon syrup. I don't use it super often because I don't really use sweeteners that often. I only use it in a baked good when I'm making baked goods in place of whatever the sweetener is. Like for instance, this is a very good thing. It's very easy to use to replace honey in recipes. So if you have like a paleo blah, blah, blah recipe that calls for honey, you can use probably like a quarter of the amount of honey as yacon syrup, maybe a third, somewhere around there. You'd have to experiment depending on how much sweetness you prefer. And it works really well and is a really good replacement. So that's what I usually use it for. If you've asked this and you probably have seen, I have a free keto treats ebook on my website and almost all of them, I think have the option at least to use yacon syrup. So if you're someone that doesn't want to buy it without knowing how you're going to use it, which I understand because it is pretty expensive, but totally worth it. Especially like I have my yacon syrup bottle for like six months. So it really is and I use it maybe once a month-ish max, but it is always handy to have around for those times when you do feel like you want a little bit of a keto treat because it has such little, if any, impact on your blood sugar because of the type of sweetener that it is. So if you go and look at it, you will see that it does have a small amount of sugar. I want to say like under three grams per tablespoon, something like that, I want to say. And it's so sweet that you will probably never use a tablespoon. You'll never consume a whole tablespoon, let alone a teaspoon in one sitting. So it's that sweet that you use so little, it doesn't matter. And then also it is a prebiotic fiber and really actually goes to help stabilize and manage your gut bacteria, which is a really nice benefit of it. And in doing so has very little impact, if any, since it kind of stays in your digestive system to do anything to your blood sugar. So I really like it and it tastes really good. It kind of tastes like a mild molasses, if that makes sense. Pretty delicious. I recommend going and getting that Keto Treats ebook if you haven't already. It's just on the front page of my website or on Instagram. You can go to my link in my profile and get it there too. Next up, we'll do maybe two or three more. How does doing keto affect your thyroid? Mine has slowed with intermittent fasting and keto when I thought it would do the opposite. My hormones are all over the place and there are a bunch of likes and replies on this one. So another big question. I'm actually looking at getting a keto for thyroid expert on the show. But what I can tell you is intermittent fasting is going to be tough if you have thyroid issues. And I would not recommend it until you are fully 100% confident that your thyroid is exactly where you want it to be. And that would be through lab testing, your hormone levels, TSH, T4, free T4, T3, free T3, reverse T3, the whole gamut. Running those pretty regularly if you're someone that has thyroid issues is highly recommended by myself and many other practitioners. But I really would recommend not going that intermittent fasting route until you have that information and you feel really comfortable with where your thyroid is at. However, just doing a real nutrient dense, enough food, slowly progressing version of keto that works for you is great for your thyroid and will do really good things for it. Now it may experience a little bit of a dip. I've seen several clients that have noticed and myself, I was one of them, A little bit of a dip when you first start keto, and especially your free T3 numbers, they'll get a little bit low, but this is temporary. It will only last a few months at most. Kind of your body's way of down-regulating because now we have this more efficient, clean, more available source of energy. So we don't need to push the gas pedal as hard is kind of how you can think about that. It does pick back up as kind of that whole transition becomes a thing of the past and you're in ketosis steadily and your body just kind of naturally balances back out. So you might be experiencing that if it's just this little drop, but if it seems like it's more than that, and you do mention that your hormones are all over the place, well... (laughs) then that means that we have more going on that are trickling into your thyroid as well. So if you have adrenal issues, if you have hormonal imbalances like PCOS, estrogen dominance, low everything, whatever it may be, that's going to affect your thyroid health as well. And again, we can use keto to help with all that, but I would highly recommend making absolutely 100% sure you are doing keto the right way. And really, when I say right, I mean the safe way. And so I would recommend the Fat-Burning Female Project. That would be great for this kind of person that's like, I think I'm doing this. I've tried this, but now things have gotten worse. You are the perfect person to get into that class and try it again in a more safe, steady, effective environment where you have my support and the support of others who have been through it to know that you are doing the right thing for your body. I'm just concerned here that there's the chance that you're not in ketosis, you're not eating enough food, you're not eating enough nutrients, your fat intake isn't high enough. All the things that we talk about that I want to make sure you're doing the safe approach. I would be a little concerned that that's not happening here, especially since you jumped right into intermittent fasting too. And that would really affect that thyroid. Now, I just want to go back really quickly to the question about hair loss because, again, one of the biggest symptoms of thyroid imbalance is hair loss. And that can be high or low thyroid. A symptom can be hair loss. So going back to that, because I didn't even touch on that. This is what happens when I don't have notes in front of me. Very important things that I kind of forget about in the moment. But now I am remembering. So... Also something to look into, get those labs tested for your thyroid health and make sure that that's not something that's contributing. If it's something where you just got into ketosis, you might have that slight dip like I mentioned may cause a little hair loss but then will pop right back up and so it should be pretty uneventful amount of hair loss before that gets better. But yes, keto can be so effective for the thyroid and really, I mean, especially if you have autoimmune thyroid, which I know a lot of you listening do, like really, really great for that. You just got to give it time and you've got to make sure you're doing it appropriately. One more. Could you talk about how to increase strength and gain muscle? I saw your IG story from today where you talked about this some. I'd love to hear more about how to do this, especially with workouts from home, and maybe some of the science behind lists, especially from your experience as a former personal trainer. Oh, you know so much about me. Thank you. Also, how do you push yourself enough to increase strength and continually progress without going too hard and overdoing it? Ooh, I love this question. This is like the heart of everything that I love. So we might go a little over on this episode because I really... Want to answer this clearly? Could you talk about how to increase strength and gain muscle? That's my first question. (laughs) Yes, I can talk about that. So, increasing strength and gaining muscle requires you to put a stressor on that muscle that will then cause it to break down and rebuild those tissues, those fibers. Stronger and better. So, this is kind of something, again, getting into personal trainer headspace here for this question. I saw a lot in that business when I was there where there's so many women just picking out those five pound dumbbells and going to town, and that's not going to cut it. You've got to put that strain, a very healthy, safe stress on your muscle and on your body in order to increase your strength. Along with that, you also need to fuel that muscle. So you need to have the nutrients available, specifically amino acids, but ketones work as well to rebuild and repair that muscle tissue, that muscle fiber to become stronger. So again, in that weird fitness headspace where you're decreasing your calories and getting into a deficit. This is why there's so many women who think they just can't build muscle. It's not that. It's because they're not eating enough to build muscle. So that's really, really important. So in case you didn't see that Instagram post that I posted now, when if you're listening to this, it would have been a week ago, I did share some progress that I've had as of late in my muscle growth. And if you don't know my backstory, I'll tell you. I used to be obviously a personal trainer, but I was also very muscular. I did figure competitions. I did powerlifting competitions. I was very strong. I was extremely low body fat at one point, which I do not recommend for anyone. That'd be the one thing that if if I could take back in my life, it would be that. And so that is something that comes naturally to me and kind of always has. However, when I got sick through the mold illness and through the years of not knowing what it was, so in total about three years, I think from the start of that, I lost that muscle. All the muscle I had gained was gone. My fitness level was pretty much next to nothing. And I spent the past two and a half years trying to, I mean, really it hasn't been that long that I've cared about getting any muscle back. It hasn't been my priority, but I did stay working out through that time when I felt like it was right. But just within the past, say... 10 weeks or so, I've noticed a pretty significant change in the amount of muscle I currently have, which has been completely 100% done through workouts done at my home. So I do not go to a gym. I have a 15, 25, 35 pound kettlebell. I have a coffee table that I use as a box when I need to step or jump. And I have TRX straps and a yoga mat. That's pretty much it. And really, I would say, I think the first six weeks of that, I'd say 90% of my workouts were with no weight at all. It was more of an endurance type activity, but... They were 30 to 45 minutes, or they are 30 to 45 minutes of challenging workouts. So I'm challenging my body. It is at a pretty high intensity. Like I feel very exerted when I'm doing those workouts, but they're short. They're very short, intense bouts of exercise. So the 30 to 45 minutes includes warm up and cool down. And this is all done through the Nike Training Club app, which is completely free. You can get everything there free. They are amazing workouts that you can do at home with little to no equipment, or you can do at the gym with full equipment. And it just, I think that it was just something where I had to remember, first of all, that when I was going through that process of being sick and having to focus on my health as the priority, I couldn't also make gaining muscle and getting a different body fat composition a priority. You've got to choose one or the other. And I made the conscious choice that I wanted my focus and my energy and my body's energy to go towards getting healthy because I'd rather work on my physical fitness when I was actually primed and ready and could see some results. And that took two and a half years. It's not something that happens overnight, especially if you're someone that does have some health issues you're working on, but it's still important to incorporate that. And that's something I did want to mention and something that this person asked was how do you push yourself to increase strength and continually progress without going too hard and overdoing it? And that is something that I just learned because I can tell you working in the fitness industry where it's like go hard or go home kind of situation, it's a very hard mindset to change. And I just changed that, especially I kind of am getting confirmation of what I found by now doing these much shorter workouts with plenty of rest and not using a barbell, which I'm used to using. I'm very much kind of drawn to that powerlifting type workout but I'm not doing that now and I'm getting results that I haven't gotten anywhere else and it's because I think that actually helps to see that results come with less but also just really always keeping in mind that health is your priority. And sometimes that might mean, like today is a great example where I thought I was going to wake up and work out, and then I woke up and I was tired. So I didn't. Instead, I'm recording this podcast and it's giving me energy. So now maybe I'll have energy to work out. But it's being able to recognize and notice. And again, it comes with that intuitive piece that we'll talk about that you have the ability to listen to your body and know what is enough and what is too much and what is not enough. We all have that ability and you have the power to adjust with every day and with every moment and with every second. So keep that health as a focus. And really, I was still 100% health focused. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait, I'm like gaining muscle all of a sudden, what's happening? So again, it will just happen when your body is ready for it to happen. And until then, what does your body tell you it wants and needs? Does it need a day off? Does it need to move? Does it want to lift something heavy? Does it want to do something light? Do you want to run? Do you want to go to Pilates? Again, we can be super intuitive with that aspect as well. The only thing I'll say, which I know I say on like almost every episode, if you are not currently building strength, If you're not working on building your muscle, you've got to start because I cannot hear one more person complain about their lack of fat loss or the lack of the number on the scale changing, and yet they're not working on changing their body composition, which is trading in fat for muscle. That should be our focus in addition to gaining health, which they are very circular in nature, meaning that you can work on building muscle and it will help you with your health and working on your health will make it that much easier to build muscle. So they're very much connected, but you've got to do both. That's all I'm going to say about that. You just have to, okay? It will make such a big difference. So please get into that mentality and get started with working out if you haven't already. Before we move on to what's coming to keto for women in the next few weeks, a quick reminder to check out this episode's sponsor, Health IQ, the company that brings life insurance savings to the health conscious. Head to healthiq.com/keto to take your lifestyle quiz and see if you qualify for a lower rate. That's healthiq.com/keto. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here. Let's see we still have a lot. I think we're going to have probably at least two more episodes with these particular questions. And then in a f- month or two, I'll ask for more. Let me know if you guys enjoyed this episode. You can comment on the Instagram or Facebook post that I post about this particular episode when it airs, but let me know if you like this style. I personally like it way better. I think that you guys get better answers from me and you can just see kind of my true personality if I were actually... Working with you one on one, this is exactly how I'd be answering your questions. This is exactly what I do in the Fat Burning Female Project with all of those ladies. So it really works well for me. And I think I'd like to continue doing this. If you guys are game, please let me know. If you don't like it, you can also let me know if you want something a little more structured. You can let me know that too. I'll still be doing quite a few episodes that have a specific topic that are more structured. These will just be kind of the QA episodes where we're. More relaxed and chill and just vibing. So let me know. All right. Thank you so much. I'll see you all next week.